This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, this is a Future of What single. If you want to get the whole thing, visit our website at KillRockStars.com slash The Future of What. Support for The Future of What comes from Merch Table. Since 2002, Merch Table has operated and managed online stores for hundreds of successful musicians, record labels, comedians, artists, and small businesses. Big or small, set up shop today by visiting merchtable.com. We're talking to Open Mike Eagle. So, The Future of What, which is my podcast and radio show, is about the music business. And so, as such, one of the things I've been doing with artists a lot of times is just asking them to sort of give us the the very beginning of how you got into the music business. Like, Mm. sort of that moment where you were like, I think this is a job. See, it's interesting for me because, like, I had, like, two paths. I was very influenced by the L.A. underground scene, so it was very DIY, Mm -hmm. like, from top to bottom, from building your own studio, recording yourself, booking your own shows, all of that, like, trying to put projects out on our own with with, with small labels. So... I, I did, like, I used to go hang out at Project Blow It Records in L.A. when they still had a record label. And I used to treat it kind of like an internship, but I would just show up every day and see, like, what needed to be done or what, what they on? would let me do. Uh-huh. You know, so it was a lot of, like, cold calling record stores to see if they'll take some copies of whatever we just wow. put out. Like, and, and traveling around with rappers on tour and like doing their merch for them and stuff like that but he, like but just like that that was so big for me because I would go to these big shows see these guys I know book this show themselves and it's packed and I am the one uh, at the point of exchange between money and music like yeah. literally selling my friends music and then having people put money in my hand right. for it was like oh my god this yeah. is this is amazing I just love being around that so I had a I spent a lot of my career on that path uh-huh. and so I mean I guess I would say I was in the business at that point when I like booked my own tour maybe uh-huh. okay but uh, I don't like to think about those days they're, they're treacherous <laughs> those, those yeah. were the battle days I mean, everybody's got the beginning stages <sighs> but, but what's interesting about that is that you came to it mm-hmm. at the very beginning seeing it as business right which most young artists are just you know they're playing in their bedroom they're playing right. with their friends they're having such a great time and they're mm-hmm. like I love this man I want this to be my career <laughs> and for some reason and I think it has to do with American culture we have this like very difficult time seeing from the beginning to the end point like what's in the middle we have no idea right. and I was like liken it to the NBA it's like how is this per- how does this person get to the NBA right. you don't see the thousands of hours of practice you don't see the sacrifices their families right. made you don't see any of that stuff you just see the final result and so there's little kids all over the country going I'm gonna do that and how do you get there we I mean that's 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 why the, the whole the entire concept of an overnight success like it makes me laugh so hard right because like, it's, it's right. impossible like there's no <laughs> such thing just like like the amount of forces that have to be lined up you know, right. to make somebody instantly successful. There's no way that this person hasn't been putting time and energy 
into all sorts of facets of performing or music or business forever, you know, like. Right. And But it's interesting in terms of the cultural value of that. It does seem like there is some value in presenting this narrative of exactly. I just made it out of nowhere. Exactly. You know, and that's kind of weird to me, too. Like, I don't yeah. really know why that's something that, I don't know, some people put forward. I think it's part of American exceptionalism, though. I think mm. it's that whole thing of, you know, we're, we're committed to the idea of the individual and the true self. So it's like we are just, we'll do anything to reinforce that narrative, right? right. Like that you made it on your own. Right. You are so special. And I have a quick story about how I thought that when I was 9, 10, 11. Yeah. I think I was 10 years old. I grew up in New York City. My parents, my father was an actor. My mom was a casting director. Okay, right? wow. So I came from the, like, we didn't have money, but we had my dad sitting in the window waiting for his agent to call crying. That's what we had. Like, But my dad was a Broadway actor. He did it for 57 years. You know, so it was, it was a real deal. He wasn't right. doing something else. So anyway, I went out for Annie. And this was like in the, you know, 80, 81, right? When Annie was the hugest thing with little girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. I sat in the audience for three hours with my babysitter. And when I got up on the stage, I just stood there. And they were like, what are you going to do for us? And I was like, what do you mean? Because I thought they were going to take one look at me and be like, you are it. Right. That is who we were looking right, for. Right, right. You know, and I'm like, and we all walked away. My babysitter was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, what did you do that for? But it was because of, like, I just had this idea, you know, people, you're going to walk down the street and someone's going to see you. Right. How many stories are there like that? Yeah, no, I had, I used to have, I call them game changer fantasies. Uh-huh. I had them, I had so many of them and I had them at, at every level. Like, oh, when I put this song up on my MySpace, it's going to change everything. Everything, you know right? I mean? yeah, yeah. Or when I get on the front page of this website or when I get, oh, when Pitchfork starts reviewing my stuff, that's going to mean, every, you know, like, yeah. but you know, you just learn over the course of actually working at this. It is, I mean, at least in my case, it's just no such thing as that. You know, right, no but I'm glad thing. you brought that up yeah. because I run a record label right. that's been around 25 years right. and we still get demos every day. Of course. From people who are sitting in their house doing nothing, <laughs> they send me an email and they're like, listen to my stuff and I write them back and I'm like, so, and what? <laughs> like, what if I like it? Right, then you gonna, what? Does that gonna mean you're gonna leave your house and do something? <sighs> I mean, I, I'm usually not that But harsh, that's but. awesome though, but that, that's like, that is the thing, like that is the... The, the the part of the phrase that people are missing, the part of the sentence that people are missing. Like, no, you have to, you, there's no this straight to that. And, and it gets at, like my path, I think, the benefit of it was it demystified it. Mm-hmm. Yes. It demystified it. I went from seeing, like people who came into my world via me seeing their music videos, like now I'm learning from them and seeing exactly like where they make money you know, what phone calls they have to make, like what they have to set up, what they have to follow through, uh, and every part of it, like every tax task that goes into making a professional rapper a job. Right, you know? right. Yeah, so I saw it all. Yeah, so at what point on your trajectory did you get to the point where you had enough business where you were like, okay, I need some help? Damn. Well, I always knew I needed help because everybody who I always knew was actually doing it had a great manager, mm, you know. And even if it, even if this manager wasn't the greatest person or even the greatest manager, it was the greatest fit for them, right. you know. Because I had people try, oh, I'll manage you, and they didn't know what they were doing, so I'm teaching them how to do it, you know. And it's like it doesn't yeah. work. But I had needed that my entire career. Mm. I had needed that from day one. But it took a long time for me to actually get it, and it was just kind of almost by happenstance that wow. I ended up in a good situation. 
Cool. Yeah. So I heard you say on one of the episodes of your podcast, Secret Skin, awesome. Thank you. Season two coming soon. Two. It better be. Yes. I promise. <laughs> that you feel like you are successful. Yeah. That was in response to a listener question. Mm-hmm. And then you went on to say that at this stage you feel like you're kind of, your efforts are sort of just to get the word further out so that more people know about you, sort of like spread spread the knowledge. Yeah. But that, I, I thought that was really interesting that you used the word successful. And I wondered if you could describe what you meant by that. Well, I don't remember that particular question. <laughs> I'm sorry to put you, you once, and then this time you said. <laughs> but I consider myself successful because this, like, this is my job. Mm-hmm. This is my job. Like, it's funny. I have so many weird, mo- like, weird, like, little awful moments. Like, too much luggage standing in a line to check into, like, a not-that-great hotel. And there's, like, <laughs> one person working, and they're going slow, and you just got all this stuff. And I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is the only job I want to do. And this is just the bad part of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is, like, these little crappy, terrible things that happen all the time. Mm-hmm. But that's the price I pay for having the only job that I really want to do. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I, the only thing I ever really want to put as much effort as you put into something that's your own, it's like making music and putting it out there. And like, just, just putting my ideas and thoughts and just any kind of way I can be creative and have that serve me making a living. Yeah. And like any 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 part about that is awesome to me. And, and that's why, yeah, I, I have to identify as successful. Yeah. Because you know, I have a pathway where my efforts in where, you know, where I focus my creativity is paying the bills, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. There's a comedian originally from Portland named Nathan Brannon. Okay. And he's done the New Negroes, Baron Vaughn, and your show a couple times. He's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And he once was telling me that he originally wanted to be a rapper, but he decided he didn't have any talent, <laughs> so he became a stand-up comedian instead. That's so funny. <laughs> But I wanted to tell you that because I, I know that you're sort of, you're like comedy adjacent. Yeah. You're not a officially a it. comedian. Yes, but. I hate when people call me a comedy. <laughs> like, but you're sure comedy adjacent. Yeah, and absolutely. So, I live in that world. Yeah, you live in that world. You know those people. Mm-hmm. And I was talking on one of my podcasts last year about, is comedy the new punk rock? And I think the argument for it is probably after we had the whole debate, Hari Kondabolu was like, no, it's not the new punk rock because punk rock is the new punk rock. But I think what is sort of the upshot was was yeah. that comedy is kind of like it's also very punk. Mm-hmm. Sort of fits with that punk ethos in that you can say what you want and you can do it yourself. You're not in a situation where other people are put saying you have to be this, you have to do that, you have to you get up anywhere in front of any microphone and you just sort of speak your truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really interesting. I wondered what you thought about that. Well, I think that the same I think I think there's a punk rock way of approaching comedy. And I feel like that avenue, that aspect of comedy has always been there. Like, you go back to Lenny Bruce, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, him being on his, taking his platform and using it to, you know, challenge people, mm-hmm. I think is a very punk rock thing to do. And I feel like that's always been a part of comedy. So I wouldn't see how that would be more now than any other time. Right, except maybe I, my argument for it was that there's so much more access to that type of comedy now because comedians are everywhere. There's a million podcasts. They're doing writing. They're they're on TV. You know, they're appearing in more places. Right. Like I feel like it's more accessible now. I, I agree, and I and I feel like what comedy like 
the way I see comedy, if it's in the sense that I think we're talking, I see it as like, comedy is people who are on the forefront of like, thought challenging, just in mm -hmm. general. Like they're on the forefront of like, pushing society like via thoughts, you know? And it's like the people who are most consistent in that seem to have like the best careers, especially if they apply the what we know is good about the craft to that, you know? Like they have some solid philosophy and some new ways of thinking. I mean, you're right, like you have access to that now more than ever. And I feel like there's a wellspring of like, of intelligent, smart, challenging comedy. I feel like that's the engine of comedy, like it's just kind of built on that too. And at this point, you know, before Lenny Bruce, there wasn't a Lenny Bruce, but after Lenny Bruce, there were a hundred Lenny Bruce, right. you know? And it's like the same thing all through comedy history. Lenny Bruce, Sam Kinison, you know, Richard Pryor, like it's these trees, like something happens and then people all are watching it on television and they, that becomes part of their value system too. So I think just, you know, just the time that comedy has been around, it's, it's just been its natural soil for that sort of uh, value sharing, you know? And I feel like, yeah, now we're at a place where there are a ton of thinkers that have come off of this tree, George Carlin, like, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And all of them have inspired other people who want to be challenging like that. You know? Right. Do you feel like there is that connection, though, between sort of hip-hop, DIY, sort of underground, different hip-hop with comedy in that way, that it is challenging, it is the ability to speak your mind in a specific format? Yeah, I feel like hip-hop in general and comedy share a lot just based on that, just based on the, the one person holding a microphone thing, like like the, the attitude of, everybody shut up, <laughs> I have something to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. For like, you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes to an hour. No, no, no you, just me. Yeah. You know, like I think that sort of uh, approach to entertainment and personhood is something that comedy and hip hop share. I think, you know, you have to think your thoughts are really important. True. To do that, you know, right. you have to think your thoughts are really important. And, and you know, there's a certain personality type that attracts that or back and forth. And yeah. Because of that, how it's supposed to work, I think, is, is shared as well. But there's just so many different ways to do all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So many different ways to do hip-hop, so many different ways to do comedy, you know? Yeah, that's true. So how did you get hooked up with your label, Mellow Music Group? Oh, the easy answer is the internet. But they first came on my radar through Odyssey back in the day when they put his stuff out. And then I have a, a buddy, Hoslo. They put out a record by him called In Case I Don't Make It, which is like an amazing, modern, sad man rap record. Oh, I love it so much. And uh, them putting that out, me knowing him, like it really put them on my radar. And then I think me and him worked together on a track, so I got to know the management of the label that way. And then we all started kind of working together from there. Right. Because yeah. I read an interview with a guy who runs Mellow, and he said something interesting which was that his artists live lives they don't live studio lives they you know he said basically what happens in sort of mainstream hip-hop is you make a record it's huge and then you go into the studio for the next record and that's where you do everything like you just live in this sort of like studio life where you know it's it's not you're out of touch with where you came from you know and that was his his argument was that his artists are still out there living life. I'm not just sitting in a studio. I know, I thought that was a really interesting quote too. I don't know enough about other people. <laughs> like I, I'm, I, you know, I'm friends with a lot of 
focus on the label, but I don't have enough of an insight into their lives. Right. Think, you know? But do you think it's true for you? I mean, I think it's true for you. You're living life. You're out on the road. You're yeah. working. Yeah. 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 You're not holed up in some studio spending $50,000 a day. Maybe I should be, though. <laughs> I mean, like that's, Sony, that's, are you paying attention? Right. Like, it don't have cost? to be 50000 Like, you know, we don't have to. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, often, I often look at what's happening now in mainstream rap music. And I'm like, for as much as I might not be down with all of the content and images that are presented, the quality of the music itself is pretty high. Mm -hmm. Like, these are people who are dedicated to both rapping well in a lot of cases, and, and that's never been so in the past in, in mainstream no. hip hop. Like, oh my God. you used to be able to be a terrible rapper and be on top. Can we say that? You know what I mean? like, <laughs> Can we you, say some names out loud? I mean, MC Hammer, <laughs> he wasn't good. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and he 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 would be aggressive, but he just was not like a good rapper in, in like the craft of rapping. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And like now, you can't you can't do that now. If you sound bad, like you will not get there. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's already they've dedicated themselves to rapping well, and they've dedicated themselves to being productive. Mm -hmm. Like they spend, you can tell they spend every night in the studio. You hear these guys come out with like mixtapes on the way to making albums. You're like, this is already. You know what I mean? Really good. They're making that much material. Wow. You know they're dedicated, and so yeah, I'm living a life, but you know, I could I could. Be in the studio more, <laughs> you know. It definitely be. We're not complaining. You're not gonna shake your yeah. head at 50 grand a day. Yeah. I mean, no, neither am I. Actually. Ten. Okay, ten. <laughs> All right, we'll compromise. Sony, we're compromising. I have one more question sure. for you, which is, tell us a little bit about your life. And I know your life is not typical. I'm not asking for a typical answer. Mm -hmm. And I know you do a lot of different stuff. But for people who are interested in, so what does a person who's a genuine career musician. Yeah. What do they do? Like, what do what's I, their like a year trajectory like? Like, what do you do over the course of a year? Of a year, over the course of a year, I make a record typically. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm working on making a record. Right. So if it's a year, year and a half, like that's always part of what I'm doing. I am doing a couple of tours, uh, increasingly more festival shows. So I'm out, you know, a lot of weekends and putting together a couple of tours. And where I used to do that on my own, I now have you know a management booking agent in place. So we all put our heads together on the best times to do those things right. or field offers from other people who might want me to open. Right. I'm also like being in the different worlds I'm in, like I get opportunities to like be creative different ways. So like I'm putting my energy towards a couple of like TV projects right now too. So like when I'm at home, I'm splitting my time between actively working on music and actively like nurturing those ideas and pursuing them business-wise too. Um, do some voiceover work. Um, just, you know, definitely trying to take advantage of all the, the access my world has into like entertainment money, which seems to be flowing all the time. It does, Yeah, right? like to be yeah. around TV and film, be around that world and just see like how big that economy is on yeah. scale. It's like, oh yeah, I can. Well, I, I liked your interview that. with Hannibal when he was talking about how he had to take a private jet that one time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh man, poor thing. But I love that he talked about how sad it was. It was so sad, Oh, right? I love like, that. Oh, that like, amazing. That's what I, I do my podcast with those moments. Yeah. When you hear about Hannibal's sad boy flight, mm. sad boy private sad plane Sad boy flight. private jet. Yeah. Hilarious. Well, Open Mike Eagle is a delight to talk to you. Yeah, Thank it was great. So I, I, I could have talked to you for another hour. Yes. Yeah, man. We should, we should do that sometime. Please. Yeah. Please, let's do it. Absolutely. Right. Ryan on
floor of a Chinese restaurant crown on my hip like Simon Petrikoff. Thought of a song called Thinking the Master Plans. Rigging and rock him, drinking in Amsterdam Cafe, back room, meeting with Cancer Man. Engineering project like astronaut. The first scene in the film, Prometheus. I wrote a brand new story, the stars from there. Just need some help with the financing. I ain't got nobody to pitch it to. My friends are superheroes. None of us have very much money though. They can fly, run fast, read Portuguese. None of us have very much money though. They know judo and yoga, photography, politics. Some of them leap over buildings. Writers, magicians, comedians, astronauts. None of them matters when niggas was hungry. My friends are superheroes. None of us have very much money though. They were the same underwear as billionaires. None of us have very much money though. Hustlers, beat makers, drug dealers, sculptors, ego, maniacal authors and bloggers. Some of them. That was very much money by Open Mike Eagle. Did you like what you heard? Then subscribe to the Future of What on iTunes. And thanks for listening.